Paul says to us about the whole armor of God, the last, one of the last things we need to take is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This sword is a spirit. So this sword works in a spiritual way. This isn't a physical sword like we would think of. You see, a knight would have a sword. But it is something physical you can hold in your hands. It's the Word of God. And that Word of God is something physically you can hold up in your hands, something physically you can put in your lap, something physically you can use. But guys, even though this is a physical book, it's a spiritual book. And we never, never, need never forget that. This book is spiritual. It's unlike any other book you'll find on a bookshelf. This book is amazing. And I'm going to show you this morning all the different ways this Word of God works and how it works. And it is specifically called a sword. And we're going to look at that and why it's called a sword. Look at the first one. Y'all know, y'all know this verse, but look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. We're going to look at all the ways the Bible talks about itself as a sword and what this sword means and what it means to have the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. We're very blessed to have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know, lots of different religions, lots of different cults have their different writings they have different things that they call Scripture. But when you get to looking at them, when you get to read them, reading them, they're dead. They're lifeless. They have no spirit. Uh, they're, they're very monotonous. They're very religious the way they write. This book, guys, this book is alive. And that's what this verse is about to tell us. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is quick. That's old English. That means quick. It's alive. It's moving. It's moving around. It's alive and powerful. It's very powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and, the jo- and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This Bible, guys, is a sword. It's a two-edged sword. It cuts both ways. And it says that it's not only, the Word of God is not only a sword, it's quick and powerful. What you have in your lap is one of the most dangerous weapons you can have. Amen. It's one of the most dangerous weapons you can have. It's one of the most dangerous things you own in your house. I think one of the most dangerous things you do own is your tongue. But one of the most spiritually dangerous things you own is the Word of God. Joe was going down to Mexico to do some preaching. Uh, my friend Joe Estrada was going down to Mexico to do some preaching. And they were talking about how if he had a weapon, he goes, yeah, I got my weapon on me. And the guy said, the guy he was with says, you got your weapon on him? And he looked both ways. He goes, man, you're going to get us arrested. He goes, no, we'll be able to get across the border with my weapon. He goes, what are you talking about? And Joe reached under his car, under the seat of his car, and pulled out his Bible and handed it to him. He said, that guy just looked at him. He didn't know what to say. (laughs) That is a weapon. Joe said, this is my weapon. This is my spiritual weapon. This is our two-edged sword, and it's alive, guys. This thing is alive. When When you talk about the Word of God and the words of God, this thing comes alive. It jumps off the page at you. It pierces, look, it pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. This thing will cut you very, very deep spiritually. This thing cuts right down to the heart of the matter. When you open this book up, when I open this book up, even as a Christian, I open this book up, and it cuts right to my heart. It cuts out all the nonsense. It cuts, all, it cuts out all the places that I want to hide. It opens up the closet of, to my door that has all my hidden skeletons, all my hidden things I want to hide, all the things I'm trying to sweep up under a rug. The God, is, God opens that up. It's, it, 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 it pierces down into that stuff. It shows me where I'm trying to hide. It won't let you go run and hide in a corner. It pierces all the way down. Every sin you can think of, it's going to be mentioned there in the Bible. 
and it's going to bring it to light. It doesn't matter if it's envy or jealousy, fornication. It doesn't matter if it's lying, backbiting, all these different sins. Some of these sins we don't even know are sins. The Bible is going to show it to you. Look, and what it does to you, look at the very end of that verse. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When you're reading it, it's reading you. <laughs> it's discerning you. When you open up this Bible, you think, well, I'm going to read my Bible. Guys, it's reading you when you're reading it. <laughs> it's, it you know why I know that? And you can know this is because you'll be reading along and it's like something just jumps off at the page at you. It's like God through the Holy Spirit has a highlighter and he just highlights that verse. You might have read that verse a hundred times. You might have seen somebody preach on that verse. But all of a sudden you're reading it one day and it just jumps off that page. And it's speaking to your heart and the Holy Spirit says, I want you to know what this is. I want you to see this. It's amazing. Because when you're reading it, guys, it's reading you. It's a two-edged sword that is alive. Now turn to Psalms chapter 12. Psalm chapter 12. I've got some of these I need to get, I need to get going and go through these because I want to show you these about the sword. And we're going to look at the Word of God specifically as a sword. Psalms 12, verses 6 and 7. These verses here, they are changed in the NIV to read a different way. It's, it's corrupt. The NIV is despicable. And this is one of the places that the NIV is wrong. It gets these verses wrong, but you've got it right in the King James Bible. Look at Psalms chapter 12, verse 6. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Guys, you not only have a sword that's alive, you've got a pure sword that's eternal. You've got an eternal sword. This word's never going to leave. This word's never going to be destroyed. This word's always going to be here. When this earth passes away, when God destroys this earth with a fire, these words will still be around. It's eternal word. Look, thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them. And they're preserved in your lap right now in a Bible. From this generation, from that generation that's writing this, forever. Heaven and earth are going to pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Jesus Christ's words are going to be here. The words of God are going to be here. They're, going to be, they're, they're not only pure words, but it's an eternal sword. That makes it kind of, you know, uh, when you look at some of this fantasy stuff, you see these people who are watching these fantasy movies, and a lot of fantasy has, goes back to some kind of item. And usually it's a sword. It's a magical sword that they pick up, and this ma- they're like Excalibur, or dif- this, this magical sword that can do different things. Guys, we've got the same thing in the Word of God. That's our sword. It's a two-edged sword that's alive. It's an eternal sword. You know, Voltaire, which was a French philosopher back in 17, like basically back in 1778, Back in the 17, late 1700s, he was popping his mouth off. And one of the things, because he hated God, he hated Christianity, he hated the Bible. One of the things he said, he said, a hundred years from now, let me quote him right. He said, 100 years from today, the Bible will be a forgotten book. That's what he said in the late 1700s. A hundred years from now, the Bible will be a forgotten book. Uh-uh-uh, guess what? It's not so forgotten, Amen. It's not only not so forgotten, Voltaire. You know what, that, you know what happened to Voltaire? Well, i tell you what happened to him. The worms are eating him. He's dead and forgotten. And the only thing he's remembered for is making such a stupid statement as to say that the Bible would be forgotten. But you know what they did to that poor man? They took his house and bought it and started printing Bibles out of it. <laughs> That's a true story. They took his house and bought his house and 
Geneva Bible Society and turned it in and started printing Bibles out of it. This Bible's eternal. And when me and you are in a grave, this Bible's still going to be strong going forth. The words of God, this is a sword that's eternal. It's an eternal sword. You know, I was reading a story not too long ago about this car in Tennessee. It was on a, I think it was on the interstate. And, and they had a, you know, everybody has cameras nowadays because of their phones. This car had had a wreck, I think by a semi, and the car was on fire. And uh, this black, as a black lady, he said, how do you know it's a black lady? I could tell by her voice. Because she kept saying a hundred times over and over again, she's filming this car, the flames are engulfing it, they're trying to get this man out of this car, they can't get the man out of the car, and there's all these people that are grabbing the car door, and they're trying to, get the, trying to grab this man out of the car, and they're just having all kinds of trouble, and the car's getting, the flames are growing bigger and bigger, and the whole time she's filming this, she's saying, I'm pleading the blood of Jesus, I'm pleading the blood of Jesus, 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 please Jesus help this man, please Jesus. She said that once, she said it a hundred times, it brought chill bumps to me. Listen to her. You can go on, online and you can see this video. And they finally get this man out of this car and she's like, praise the Lord, praise God. And everybody starts running because this car's about to blow up. Well, when the cops finally get there, the fire department finally gets there, this car's been engulfed in flames. On the front seat of the car, on the passenger side, was a Bible and it hadn't been touched by smoke or fire. So the atheists, they'll go crazy. They start trying to deny this because they had a report. This was on one of the, the stations. out. At, they had a report on the news station, and the, they had it all over the Twitter on the news station. They had the cop there standing with the Bible opening it up, and it was untouched by the flames. They were talking about how this was miraculous. And, of course, the atheists come out of the woodwork. That's nothing miraculous about it. The, the oxygen couldn't get to the pages, and they start coming up with all these excuses. And the, there was some paper that was laying on the ground. They're saying, see, there's paper there. It didn't get burned. But they forget that the guy, they were pulling all this stuff out of the car trying to get to this guy. And they try to make every excuse. And one of the things I, I was reading about all these excuses and why this didn't really happen that way was this atheist says, yeah, your God cares. This atheist says, your God cares about a Bible, but he doesn't care about hungry children. And I thought, ooh-wee. And I started imagining, what's that going to be like for that guy when he stands before my God? Because that's the way the atheists talk. They talk about that. See, they blame God for our problems. See, God gives us a free will. It's the greatest gift God's ever given us. He gives us a free will, and we use that free will to sin. We use that free will to be wicked. We use that free will to go against everything that's holy. He created us. He gave that man the ability to, to breathe, the ability to eat, the ability to drink, the ability to get up in the morning to make a living. And you know what God's going to do when he pulls that man before him and said, I heard you say that you wanted to fight wide and feed those children. You know what God's going to say to that man? With a question like only God can do. How many children did you feed? Start spouting your mouth off about God. God's going to judge you like you're trying to judge him. And I'm wondering how many children that atheist is popping his mouth off. How many hungry children he went and fed? Hey, this stuff's getting done because Christians are getting this stuff done. This Red Cross and this Salvation Army, it's Christians giving to these don't. This is the Baptists that are going over there when the hurricanes hit. It's no atheist organization showing up helping anybody out. Amen. This book is eternal. Amen. These words are eternal. Look at one, Psalm 149. What do we need to do with this sword that's alive? What do we need to do with this sword that's eternal? Well, let me show you in Psalm 149. 149 verse 6. Talking about the sword, the sword of God. There's some things we need to do with this sword. You know you got a sword. You know it's a sword of the Spirit. You know it's the Word of God. You know it's your Bible. You know it's alive. You know it's an eternal sword. What do we need to do with this sword then, Brother Keegan? Turn to Psalms 
Psalm chapter 149, verse 6. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. Every Christian should be doing this. Every Christian should be praising God with their lips. And every Christian should have the Word of God in their hand. That's what you need to be doing with it. This isn't a sword, that sh- this isn't a sword that's to be displayed. This isn't a sword that's supposed to be put up on a shelf to be displayed. You see these fancy swords and they put them up on a shelf. They put them up to display them. And as a, somebody like me that's a man that has a lot of testosterone running through my blood, I love to see a good-looking sword. Just like a good-looking gun. I love to see that. Maybe I have too much testosterone, but I love that stuff. I love to see swords and knives. And That's what my wife accuses me of. She goes, you won't watch a movie unless it's got a gun or a knife in it or a sword. And that's true. I, I hate to admit it, but I, I, like, I like to see swords. I like to see guns. I like that kind of stuff. This isn't a sword to be put on a display. This is a sword to be put up and used, picked up. And put in your hand. It says there in Psalm 149, 6, Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. What's that two-edged sword? It's the Word of God. Amen. You're supposed to have it in hand. It's not supposed to be put up, in the, up on the shelf. or You're not supposed to go in somebody's house. And there's nothing more sad to me than going to somebody's house and see some big Bible sitting on a coffee table and have dust on it for a display. This thing is, is meant to be read probably not a house in America that doesn't have a Bible in it. Amen? There's probably not a house in America that doesn't have a Bible in it. But how much does the Bible get read? It's not being used. It's being displayed. It's been put on display. Guys, this thing's not meant to be put on display. This thing is meant to be put in your hand and to be used. I'm going to show you a verse that was I wrote in the front of my Bible years ago. I'm going to show it. It's in Jeremiah 48. Turn to Jeremiah 48. I'm going to show you a verse. It's in the front of my Bible. I have it written in front of my Bible. I have that Psalms 149 in the front of my Bible. If you open up any of my preaching Bibles, you'll find these two verses. You'll find these two verses. You'll find Psalms 149.6, and you're going to find Jeremiah 48.10. Those are the two verses you're going to find written in the front of my Bible. And this is the reason why I write it in the front of my Bible. Because what I'm doing as a preacher is I'm holding up a two-edged sword. And I'm using this two-edged sword. And the first thing I write in my Bible is I'm supposed to hold it in my hand. In other words, I'm supposed to lift up the Word of God. I'm supposed to preach the Word of God. It's not my philosophy, not my idea, not my thinking. It's the Word of God. And that's what I'm supposed to do as a preacher. And the second thing I'm supposed to do is found in Jeremiah 48.10. Look at this curse. Cursed be he that doeth the work of the Lord deceitfully. That's deceitful when you don't tell somebody about hell. You're deceiving somebody. We don't tell them that hell's waiting on them. That's deceitful. When a preacher gets up and preaches heaven and doesn't preach preach hell, that's deceitful. When a preacher gets up and tells you, you got sin in your life, but everything's going to be okay, that's deceitful. When a preacher gets up and doesn't warn you that God's going to judge you for your sins, you need to repent, that's deceitful if he doesn't preach that stuff. That's why some of these preachers get on TV, they're deceitful and they're cursed. They're cursed. Joel Osteen is cursed for not preaching on hell. You've got to preach on hell. It's all about hell. It's not just about heaven, it's about hell too. And I know you can get too far to one side, but man, we're way over too much on this other side. It's all about love. It's all about heaven. And when you read the Bible, you're not going to find love all through the Bible. You're not going to find heaven all through the Bible. It's all about sin and hell and how God's judgment's coming. 
And we need to get that right. And it says there in verse 10, Cursed be he that doeth the work of the Lord deceitfully. Notice though, And cursed be he that keepeth back his sword from blood. That's why that's in the front of my Bible. I'm not only supposed to hold this sword, I'm supposed to use it. I don't care if it offends you. I don't care if it hurts me. I don't care if it hurts you. I'm supposed to draw blood with this sword. I'm not, I don't have a physical sword, guys. You don't have to worry about me shooting you with a gun. You don't have to worry about me stabbing you with a knife. As a preacher, you need to worry about me spiritually cutting you with this sword. But if it's me using this sword, it's not me. It's the Word of God. It's the Holy Spirit. He's the one that's cutting you. Hey, guys, I've had y'all stop me outside of church and say, you know, if I didn't know any better, I'd think you've been following me around this week. <laughs> well, you know, I haven't been following you around this week, but I know somebody who has. Amen. It's God Almighty. And through the Holy Spirit, He's speaking to your heart about something you're not doing right. I heard some of y'all say, you stepped on my toes. Well, I didn't mean to step on your toes. That's God stepping on your toes. You know, I preach on stuff and have no idea what's going on in people's lives. Uh, Brother Matt and Brother Wade's dad came in, and uh, I'm going to tell this testimony because he's put it on Facebook, so I feel comfortable telling this testimony. Brother Wade's dad came in, a great Christian man. You look at his kids. You know he's a good Christian man trying to do what's right by the Lord, amen? He raised the kids right. He comes in, and the clock stopped, and I didn't realize it, so I went way over on Sunday school. <laughs> That's, that's the curse right there. This clock stops. I don't realize what time it is. I go over. So he's coming to, come to, he's coming to church, not to Sunday school. Well, he comes in in Sunday school class. Guess what I'm, pre- I'm teaching on in Sunday school? Alcohol and drinking and the evils of drinking alcohol. Well, I have no idea what's going on in his life, what's going on in his heart. I have no idea. I'm just preaching and teaching the Word of God. Amen. I don't know he's going to show up, and I for sure don't know he's going to show up late. And I'm thinking it's right on time. And he's, and he's telling me, you didn't have any idea I was going to show up. You, you, didn't have, you didn't have any idea your clock had stopped working. And, and he told me over the phone later on, he said, that was God's hand, Keegan. I'm telling you, that was God working. You don't know that, but that was God working. I said, why do you mean, brother? He goes, because very few people knew that I was fighting alcohol. I had been drinking and wanting to stop drinking. You didn't know about it. And I said, I didn't know. Nobody knew. But the Lord was convicting him in his heart. And he was so convicted by it, and God had got onto him so strong in that message that he had stopped drinking, he had stopped, and got some, some other things straightened out in his life. And he gave this testimony on Facebook. You know what I knew? I didn't know any of this. I didn't know after church. I didn't know any of this. It was, what was it, months and months and months and months later, I called, Wade, I called Matt, uh, Mike up to talk to him about something. He goes, I need to tell you this story. And he told me all this story. And you know what I told him? I said, you know, Mike, I didn't know you were coming out. You know I didn't know you had, I had no idea. He goes, yeah, I know. It's all God working. Guys, that's the Word of God. I was simply teaching and preaching on the Word of God. I had no idea who was going to show up. Guys, I don't know who's going to show up from Sunday to Sunday. I've made messages thinking this whole family is going to be here. And guess what? None of them shows up. You know, me and Linda were talking a while back and said, uh, we're going to have some visitors in. And they're probably they're going to be coming to church. I don't even remember this, Linda. They're going to be out here hunting. They're going to be coming to church. And, and I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to have a lot of lost people here. So you know what I do? I get together a message. I'm going to preach on salvation. I'm going to really preach a good message on salvation. I don't think I had a one lost person in here. They didn't show up, but God used it. 
God uses it. My favorite story to tell you about how God works in my ministry and works in my is that one time I got together a story of the prodigal son. I'm going to preach on the prodigal son. I'm going to preach about the prodigal son as a young man. Well, if you've looked around at this building, there's not a lot of young men in the building. Amen? Especially, well, at that time, there wasn't, really wasn't any young men in the building. So I'm like, okay, Lord, I didn't know for sure why the Lord laid this message on my mind. And at that, right at that time, right when church was about to start up, three young men walked in that back door. I'd never seen them in my life. Walked in that back door, came and sat on that very back pew right there. I was like, who is that? I'm talking about 16-year-old kids. How'd they get up here? How'd they know about us? I mean, I'm thinking all this hard, but then I realize, you know what? I'm preaching about the prodigal son as a young man. I realize, God, you know all things. I'm just doing what, I'm just, I, sh- I just need to shut up. And so you do what you need to do, Lord. Guys, this book is alive. It's powerful. And listen to me. Cursed be me when I hold back. Cursed be me when I hold back. I'm supposed to give it to you just like God gave it to me. Just like he gave it to me. Look at Isaiah 34, 6. 34, chapter 1, verse 6. Isaiah chapter 34. Let's, go, let's move on. I need to move on quickly. This is God. He's talking about all the things he's going to do. Isaiah chapter 34. Look at verse 1. Come near ye nations to hear and hearken ye people. Let the earth hear and all that is therein, the world and all things that come forth of it. For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations. And his fury is upon all their armies. This is the battle of Armageddon, guys. This is the second advent. This is Jesus Christ coming back. He hath utterly destroyed them. He hath delivered them to the slaughter. This is prophecy about the second coming. Their slain also shall be cast out, and their stink shall come up out of their carcasses, and the mountains shall be melted with their blood. That's some pretty serious stuff. That's God pouring his wrath out on mankind to end the book of Revelation. And all the host of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll. And all their hosts shall fall down as a leaf falleth from the vine, and as a falling fig from the fig tree. For my sword, look at verse 5, for my sword shall be bathed in heaven. Behold, it shall come down upon Edom, that's Edom, and upon the people of my curse to judgment. Look at verse 6, though. The sword of the Lord is filled with blood. Woo! It is made fat with fatness and with the blood of lambs and goats and the fat of the kidneys of rams. For the Lord hath a sacrifice in Basra and a great slaughter in the land of Edom. This is not only a sword that should be used. This is a sword that's filled with blood. It doesn't just say it's got blood on it. It says it's filled with blood. Guys, that book you're holding, the sword, the word of God, it's a bloody book. Have you noticed that? It's blood in the book of Genesis. It's blood in the book of Revelations. It's blood from Genesis to Revelations. And guys, if you're in here this morning and you're saved, it's all because of the precious blood. Of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's a blood. When Adam and Eve sinned and they were naked and they could be seen of their nakedness and the glory had left them and they were standing there naked, God, it says, the Bible says, God made them coats of skin and clothed them. How did God do that? He must have killed a lamb. Blood was in the very beginning. The sacrifice was accepted of Abel because he brought, Abel brought a sacrifice of blood. And Cain had brought a sacrifice of his own hands of work of the ground of vegetables. God doesn't want the work of your own hands. God wants the work of the blood. God wants the blood. It's the blood that brought Israel out of Egypt. It was the blood of the Lamb. 
This book is a bloody book. And you can't take the blood out of the book. It's a sword filled with blood. And if I'm going to preach Jesus Christ, I can't just preach Jesus Christ healing people. I can't just preach Jesus Christ walking on the water. I can't just preach Jesus Christ and all the great words He said. I've got to preach Jesus Christ bloody and crucified for the sins of the world. That's the gospel message. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. It says in the book of Revelation, they're going to sing a new song. We're saved by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. How did they overcome him? They overcame the devil, Revelation 12, by the blood of the Lamb. It's the blood. Guys, it's the blood. Your sword is a bloody sword, and it's a sword filled with blood. Amen. Amen. It says it right there. Look at Matthew chapter 10 quickly. Let's see what Jesus Christ has to say about a sword, and then we'll close. Matthew chapter 10. We forget about the power of this word. We forget about the power of... The Word of God. And sometimes we forget that it's a bloody book. And that's what I, I hate about some of these new Christian songs. They take the blood out of the songs. They stop singing about the blood of Jesus Christ. Why? Because the blood is nothing special. See, when you, when you sing about blood, it's nasty. Blood is nasty. It's filthy. There's people that literally faint at the sight of blood. Blood is a nasty thing. Nobody wants to see blood. It's nasty and filthy. But God used it to cleanse you and to wash you. Amen. It's amazing. You've got to have the blood. So we got this new religion that's so sissified. This new Christianity that's so sissified. They don't want to teach about the blood. They don't want to preach about the blood. They don't want to sing about the blood. And you look at all our old hymns and what are they full of? Full of the blood. Singing about the blood because it's all about the blood. Matthew chapter 10, look at verse 34. Here's what your Lord and Savior said. Jesus said this, not Brother Keegan. Jesus, think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. Man, when you take the weight of those words where Jesus Christ says, you think I came to bring peace? I came to send a sword. You take the weight of those words and Jesus Christ saying that, and now you know 2,000 years later that the sword is the word of God, and that sword he sent went out to all the known world. The scriptures, the word of God is in all the known world, translated in 200 something languages, the word of God is. There's not a person in the world that can't get a hold of a Bible. If they can't get a hold of a Bible, it's because their government won't let them. And we're trying the best of our abilities as Christians to get them the word of God in their own language. He, Jesus Christ didn't come to send peace. He came to send a sword. This word of God is not peace. This word of God is a sword. See, if Joe Osteen would have wrote this book, he'd said, the word of God, which is a flower. Amen, that's how he would have said it. And he would have said it with his limp, with his wrist limp. The word of God, which is a flower. The word of God isn't a flower. The word of God is a sword. Amen. The word of God is a weapon. And Jesus Christ didn't come to send peace, he came to send a sword. And guys, you know if you've been a Christian very long, this sword will send division. It'll send, and he goes on, Jesus Christ goes on to say, For I came to set a man at variance against his father, the daughter against his mother, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. That's what the sword does. The word of God separates you out from your family. Some of y'all are in here this morning, and some of your family's not real happy with you because you believe that book. Sister Linda just had a conversation with one of her cousins, and Sister Linda was telling her cousin how she felt about Jesus Christ and about God. You know why Sister Linda feels that way? Because of what her book said. 
It had nothing to do with what a preacher said. She feels that way because she's read her Bible. Her sword told her that. And when she told her cousin what the sword says, it's going to bring some division there. And it does. It brings a little division. But this is what Jesus Christ warned us about. That's what the sword's for. Amen, that's what the sword's for. Look at Matthew 26. I'm going to give you one, one more of these. Verse 52. Matthew chapter 26, verse 52. And I'm using some of these uh, verses, but I'm pointing out when Jesus Christ is talking about the sword, how this applies to the Word of God. And I know the context of these, and I know Jesus Christ is using this in the context of Peter to put up his sword. But look at what he says. This is Jesus' words. Matthew chapter 26, verse 52. Then said Jesus unto him, unto Peter, after he cut off the man's ear with the sword, he said, Put up again thy sword into his place. For all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. I'm here to tell you this morning, you need to perish with your sword. If we're going to be a people that's got a sword, we're going to be a people that's holding a sword, we need to perish with the sword. We don't need to be like the cowards that throw down their swords and run. We need to stand, like Paul told us in Ephesians 6. Stand, stand, stand. And not, above all else, stand. And stand with the sword in your hand. Let the high praises of God be in your mouth and a two-edged sword in your hand. Hey, Jesus Christ said the sword has its own place. There's a place for the word of God. And that place is in your hand. And he says right there in verse 42, For all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Now he's talking about somebody taking up a weapon. But when you apply it spiritually to our lives, yes. If you're going to take up this sword, you need to perish with this sword. If you're going to take up the word of God, you need to perish with the word of God. I have so many brothers, uh, some of them are not brothers, but they sit at work and they talk about, they come to take my gun, I'm going to go to jail. What are you going to do when they come to take your Bible? You, you're willing to perish with the sword. You're willing to perish with the gun. Why don't you perish with the Word of God? Amen. You shouldn't be so worried about gun control. You should be worried about Bible control. You shouldn't be so worried about them taking the guns out of certain places. You should be worried about them taking the Bibles out of schools and the Bibles out of the homes. We're so caught up and, oh, I'm worried about they're going to come into my home and take my gun. You need to be worried about they're going to come into your home and take your Bible. Amen. That's what you need. You need the Bible. That's the sword. That's what you need to perish with. That's why I got that bumper sticker that Brother Sleckney made that says, you can have my King James Bible when you pry it from my cold, dead fingers. Amen. Listen, guys, I believe this book, and I'm going to believe this book to the day I die. Amen. I'm going to perish with this sword, sword in hand, sword in hand. Man, there's no worse way for a soldier to go down with, throw a, throw a sword down and turn around and get stabbed in the back. What a cowardly way to die. Man, what a cowardly way. That's the way cowards die. No real man wants to die like that. A man wants to die with his weapon in his hand, standing tall, fighting for what's right, Fighting for the Lord Jesus Christ, sword in hand. I'm going to perish with this sword. If I go down with the sword, so be it. But I'm going to perish fighting with the sword in my hand. Because I know my commander in chief, he's going to take care of me. And I know when I get back to home base, i got a great retirement waiting for me. It's worth fighting for. And we're fighting for the wrong things. They got us all confused. We're fighting for gun control. We're fighting for different political things. We need to be fighting for the word of God. We need to be fighting with the sword in hand. Look at Luke 23. I'm going to read this last one to you. I had this last one I'll give you, and then, and then we're done. Luke 22. I know y'all know, know a lot of these, but I'm just kind of throwing these out here because I, I like these. Stuff. I like this. Stuff. I, love, I love the Word of God. 
And, and, and when, the, when Jesus Christ is getting his disciples ready for him to be crucified, he's warning them. He said, you know, I sent you out before, and I told you, don't take a purse, don't take any clothes, uh, just, just go out, preach the word of God. He sent them out. Remember, he said, don't take a sword. And he's telling well, he said, now it's that time. Now it's time. Look at, he says in verse, Luke chapter 22, verse 36, he says, and then, then he said unto them, but now, he said, he that hath the purse, let him take it. And likewise his script. And he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. He says, it's high time. Guys, you know, I sent you out like sheep. I sent you out two by two, and I went, sent you out to preach the gospel. But now I'm about to be crucified. Now it's time to get your money together, get your clothes together. And guys, if you don't have a sword, you better go buy one. It's high time, guys. We need to get the word of God. If you don't have the word of God, you need to get some. You, whatever it takes, sell everything you have to get you the word of God. And what I mean by this and what, how I'm trying to apply this to you as Christians is, it's time to start memorizing the Bible. It's high time to start memorizing this Bible. Because, guys, we know this Bible's eternal. And if we get thrown in jail because of this Bible, they're not going to give us our Bible in jail. You can forget that. They're going to take this Bible away from you. And what are you going to do in jail when you have nothing? You don't have your, all you have is just a little bit of food. If you even have that, what are you going to do? You're going to want the Word of God. And how are you going to have the Word of God? You're going to have it memorized. So many of the, when we, me and Kathy have been to some of these museums about World War II and the Korean War, and some of these, and they always have a section for these uh, the uh, POWs. They always have a section for soldiers that were caught, that were prisoners of war to the Japanese, to the Germans. And a lot of these stories, you know what they tell these stories of? These guys were in cages. These guys were being treated like animals. But at night, they would whisper to each other, and they would be quoting Scripture back and forth to each other. They were quoting verses of the Bible back and forth with each other. And they would talk about how that's the only thing that got us through. Now, if you're in jail or you're being persecuted for the Lord Jesus Christ, and guys, I'm telling you, it's coming. How many verses can you quote? How much of the Word of God do you know? It's high time to sell whatever it is you're buying and sell that and get you a sword. And get it up here. Get it in your heart. And start memorizing some of these verses. You've got a verse that really means a lot to you. It might mean nothing to me. It might not mean anything to anybody else. But God is giving you that verse. Memorize it. <laughs> Memorize it. Get it in your mind. Get it in your heart. You know, when you're laying on your back and you, you're, you can't move, you're in the hospital, whatever's going on in your life, and there's nobody, nobody can even hear you talk. You might be in a coma, but you might be conscious to where you can start. You have that verse memorized. You can be speaking it to your heart. That word of God is alive, guys. We take it for granted, knowing what we know, what it took for men and women who died and bled the precious blood to get this book into our hands, and we take it so lightly. Some of us don't even try to read it a day. It, we might bring it to church, we might not bring it to church. We, it just doesn't mean much to us, and I'm here to tell you that above all else, you need to take that two-edged sword, the sword of the Spirit, and you need to use it. Amen. Listen, all this other stuff is going to fall away. All this other stuff is going to burn up. But this Word of God is going to last forever. If you have any problems in your life, you come to me and, and you're talking to me about your problems in your life, I'm going to try to give you Scripture. Because that's where it's at. I'm going to try to give you the Word of God. If I didn't have the Word of God, I couldn't minister to people. That's the only way I could just minister to people is through the Word of God. Let me leave you with this quote. 
there was a Muslim, and he said, I want, he was, he was talking, actually, I think he was talking about the Gideons, but he said, beware of that man right there. He said, a preacher will come, and a preacher will preach words, and then he'll leave. But that man, he'll give you the scriptures, and those scriptures will change your life. That's a testimony of a Muslim. See, they know. They know the power of the words of God. They know this book is powerful, and it's unlike anything else. It's a wonderful book. It's a wonderful book. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now, we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.